0: Welcome to Conversations with My Lens. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. Our special guest today is Lily Weiss, a certified alcohol freedom coach,
1: Hi, Lily. Thank you for joining us today. I am so thrilled to be here with you this morning.
0: We're delighted to have you here to explore the topic of navigating alcohol and health to make smart choices. But before we proceed with our conversation, I would like to present a brief disclaimer to our audience. The information provided on this interview is for educational and informational purpose only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always, always consult with a healthcare professional regarding any specific health concerns or questions you may have. Now, with that said, Lily, could you tell us A little bit about yourself and what inspired you to become an alcohol freedom coach
1: wow what inspired me was on my own journey to free myself from alcohol i started doing a lot of volunteer work and the joy of helping someone find their own freedom find their wings lit me up so when i had an opportunity to get certified in it i there was no question in my mind that that is where i wanted to go and what i wanted to do
0: wow that's amazing a really inspiring story you know from your personal journey and transformation must bring a unique perspective to your to your co- coaching practice
1: absolutely there is very little that my clients can come up with that i haven't even I already experienced myself. I mean, you hear me saying a lot. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. And what's really fun about that and enriching about that is one of the greatest moments in my journey was recognizing how normal I was Mm -hmm. and how I thought I was the only person in the world who's dealing with this. And it was such a release of loneliness and shame to find out that, and this is the coolest thing ever, we are physically designed to become addicted to alcohol. There's like this big myth out there that there are alcoholics and that there are normal drinkers. And it's kind of like, if you stop and think about that, it's like, whoa. So if it's four drinks a night that makes you an alcoholic, if I drink three and three quarters. Does that mean I'm cool? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And it has been rejected by the DSM-5, which is the big Bible on psychiatric diagnosis in most of the world. And what we have is actually a spectrum. It's alcohol use disorder is the preferred thing to say now. And what that means is the top 10% of people, the most severe cases, are what most people think when they think about, and I put in air quotes, an alcoholic. These are the people that are physically addicted, that have probably gotten DUIs, lost jobs, relationships, are becoming very physically ill from their drinking, possibly life-threatening. And they do need, and this is very important, if you are in that top 10% and are physically addicted, you do need medical intervention to stop because it is very dangerous. It can kill you. That leaves 90% of us just Googling, am I an alcoholic? (laughs) Just answering enough of those questions. Yes, kind of to make you think, "Hmm, maybe I'm drinking too much, but not enough to really think we have to change our behaviors. It it, here's another misconception that keeps so many people stuck is there is this myth that without alcohol, your life is not going to be any fun. Like 80%. (laughs) I know, I know 80% people drink. And we think of those other 20%, either they had a problem with alcohol, Or they're just not fun. And I would have told you when I was drinking, if you told me you didn't drink, I'd think I'd be very suspicious. Huh. I wonder if she'd be any fun, that lady who doesn't drink. And the idea of not drinking means kind of the fun's over. So you believe your choices are, I can keep drinking and possibly head towards this Alcoholic label, it ruined my life. Or I could stop drinking and not ever have fun again, have to go to meetings forever and ruin my life. And I got a third option for you. You can actually find your joy alcohol free, or you can find joy by cutting back. That is, I think, some of the major misconceptions about alcohol use disorder.
0: Wow. You certainly provide, you know, valuable insights on the common misconceptions and um, about alcohol and and health and it's not to say that you cannot socially drink every once in a while but when it becomes a problem is that you know I drink socially every now and then I used to drink a lot like partying and you know now it's like every now and then because I get stomach issues (laughs) so now that you cover some of the Misconception: How can someone identify if their alcohol consumption is becoming problematic or excessive? Because sometimes we we're drinking. Like I remember back in the days <laughs> when I used to drink. Like I'm just drinking, drinking, drinking. I wasn't like thinking whether I was drinking a lot or not. You know, like that's right. not something that you
1: really think about because everybody's doing it, and it is the Western culture to drink like that. And there is, and I am not judging anyone. And what I'm here to do is offer information so that people can make an informed choice. I didn't have access to this information and it makes me really mad because I think I would have chosen differently. For example, when I was a kid, I knew the risks of smoking. And I chose to never smoke, not to say like actually never. I smoked a few times as a teen, but just didn't want that in my lungs. And it's interesting that you brought up the stomach issue with alcohol, because when we put alcohol in our body, we have to understand really what it is to start making these judgments on whether or not it's something we want to do. And the chemical compound of alcohol, when you write it out, is identical to the chemical compound of the gas you put in your car. It is literally ethanol. And for anybody who's listening and not watching, my eyes just got big. (laughs) (laughs) I've had people's jaws drop at that (laughs) statement. It is, that's what it is. It is watered down Gasoline. And it's a really interesting compound in that when it hits our bodies, it is both water and fat soluble. So it is like having a picnic at the beach. But then the sand, you know, it gets everywhere. <laughs> it gets in your sandwich. And then for days afterwards, you're picking, you know, it's got in your car. And then when you, you can get rid
0: office,
1: of it. <laughs> yeah. And then you go to the office and, and you sat with the sand in your car and now there's sand in your office chair. So, yeah, that is alcohol in your body. And because it's a toxin, because let's face it, drinking gasoline is not healthy. It's Our bodies stop everything. To, to get it out of our system. And that's actually where that first buzz comes from. That's literally the poisons detoxifying out of your body. And once again, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you what's going on. So what happens in your gut is that you've stopped processing any digestion and it's actually burning holes in your gut. And it's leaking out all this stuff in your gut that's supposed to stay in your gut and be excreted later. And that is part of the poisons that get in your body. And another really big misconception is that there is a healthy amount of alcohol to drink. And the World Heart Organization has said there is zero healthy amount for the heart. So it's linked to, seriously linked to breast cancer in both men and women, colon cancer, esophageal cancer, obviously heart disease, liver cancer, fatty liver disease, and what a lot of people think is that, well, I'm only having one drink a day. And so that's safe. And that is what's been sold to you. And of course, you believe that because that's what we all believe. In fact, some people believe, thank you, marketing and wine industry, <laughs> that that glass of red wine is actually good for your heart. And the truth is, it's not. It's a class 1A carcinogen, which means it is the same level as cigarettes. And in fact, some of the components that alcohol breaks down to are some of the same carcinogens in cigarettes so it just makes you stop and think is if i'm going to have this drink how important is my you know where does that work with my values on health
0: thank you for outlining those Uh, red flags.
1: And uh, now I know why I have those little issues.
0: And, you know, it's so essential uh, for people to be aware of this science. And like you said, um, back in the days, or still, uh, you know, there's a lot of marketing telling us why cigarettes are bad, but not why alcohol is bad. For someone, you know, who recognizes This warning signs in their behavior. What steps will you recommend them to take to address their relationship with alcohol and start making positive changes? Because I'm not here to tell people, oh, don't drink, or just to, you know, what people tell you, oh, no, you're so goody goody now that you don't drink. And it's not that. Like, I don't have to apologize if I want to drink or I don't want to drink if that's you know, everyone's choices, but you know, like to shed some light to people that do want to make positive changes. What will be those recommendations?
1: First thing that I would recommend is to learn about alcohol and just make a decision. Where does that fit in with your values? You don't have to have a quote unquote problem with alcohol to decide you don't want to drink it anymore. And it's a real revolution. You know, we're having dry January, I believe, 30 Forbes magazines was quote, saying 35% of Americans were going to participate in some way in dry January. And that's a big number. So people are really curious. And the alcohol free drinks, adult drinks, is becoming huge. Alcohol free beer is now amazing. And I have a girlfriend who follows alcohol-free wine, and she's actually introduced me into a bottle or two that um, I was like, yeah, I could, I could do that. I could have that on a special occasion. And um, you said something that was just so interesting about your holiday. And I'm going to put it out there that alcohol actually steals your joy. You are borrowing joy from a loan shark. And I say this because here's what happens in our bodies. We drink the alcohol and it hits our reward center with a pow, like bang, woohoo! <laughs> That's the fun you're talking about that you want on your vacation, right? And that lasts 20 minutes to 30 minutes.
0: And then you have to have the other one.
1: Well, so next what happens time. next is your brain says, uh-oh, I'm out of balance. And our brains do not like to be out of balance. So it hits you with two to three hours of, I don't feel good hormones. So you've just went from endorphins, 20, 30 minutes, dopamine to dynorphin, cortisol, adrenaline, and you get three hours of that. And that's why I say you're It's like borrowing joy from a loan shark. You got your 20 minutes of happiness, and now you got your three hours of sadness. And this is where you're talking about where that second drink comes in. And this is why I say we are physically designed to become addicted, because that reward loop is how humans evolutionarily survived. We learned, eat this raspberry, dopamine hit, right? But not a huge one, just a little one, the learning molecule. It's when we do video games, pornography, gambling, these giant hits to our reward center. So what happens is, well, let's say we started at a, we were feeling at a five and we had our big hit. Now we're up to an eight then we had the smack down. Well, now we're down to a four and our brains subconsciously say, you know what? I don't feel so good anymore. Oh, wait, got an idea. Another drink. That's what worked before. And we're not smart enough. <laughs> Our system is not designed well enough to recognize, but I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. And that is why when we do something like, so this is answering your questions, how we get to what to pay attention to. When you start saying things like, I need alcohol to have fun on my vacation, or I need Alcohol to survive this baby shower. I can't have fun without it. What's happened in your brain is if you keep this up, if you're a regular drinker, your brain stops producing dopamine naturally. And the only way to get it then is through that alcohol hit. And that's why you're not finding joy anymore. So when the joy is leaking out of your life, that's when you need to be paying attention. And there's a very uncomfortable two weeks when you stop drinking that you're not making the dopamine naturally and you're not getting it with the alcohol. And that's where people really struggle. Other things to look out for is if you tried dry January and you, you did it, like, woohoo, made it through dry January. But February 1st, you had a drink in your hand. You gutted that out with willpower and willpower is finite. If you are using alcohol every day to relieve your stress, eventually you're going to start heading into trouble. And my point in telling you this, once again, is not judgment. I cannot judge. This house is built of very thin glass. (laughs) (laughs) There's no judgment here. If you blew on my glass house, it would crack. I'm telling you this because it made me so angry to find this out. And I think, I don't know, would I have made different decisions? I don't know. I don't regret Having gone through an addiction because now I'm helping so many people, but my life would have been easier. So you went through addiction, like how did you,
0: because for me, I I remember when, um, as a teenager, I used to drink a lot, um. And it was just socially. It's not like I've been working since I was 15 years old. But during the week, it it was not like, oh my God, I need to have a drink or I'm not going to function. It was just when I was partying, you know, I had to, you know, like not I had to, but I was with all my friends and we all are drinking and having fun. And then nobody, like you said, is thinking about, oh, I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. And nobody... Wants that, but nobody cares when you're having fun. Nobody cares. So, how did you
1: find out that
0: you had an addiction?
1: No one was more shocked than me. So, I had this really (laughs) great plan. I come from a background where I had some childhood trauma, like serious childhood trauma. And I, in my 20s, was dangerously depressed and had some interventions and got a lot of therapy. And I had some really strong coping mechanisms. Like, I'm good. I I can handle hard things. So and over the years, I quit drinking naturally. And there were moments when I would drink and there would be years that I didn't drink. And then I would drink some more and then I wouldn't drink. So I was always able to just stop when I was younger. Just no problem. Stop. So I was going through a divorce and. I thought this was my great plan. I thought, i got the skills to deal with this, but it's painful, so I think I'm just going to have, I'm going to drink until the end of the year, and that's just going to take the edge off, and I don't know if you remember back earlier, I said, well, one place you need to pay attention to is if you are drinking to solve a problem, if you're drinking for stress reduction. So I did my plan, I got over you know, the divorce, so it was time to stop, and my, I couldn't. I mean, I could, but it was really, really hard. So over a period of years, I would maybe stop for six months, or stop for three months. And then when I started back again, I would drink more. So I was drinking maybe one or two glasses of wine a night, and then I would stop and start and now I'm drinking two and a half glasses. And so at the end, flash forward six, 10 years, I'm drinking a bottle of wine a night, sitting in front of Netflix thinking, this is too much, I'm not having any fun, but if I quit drinking, I will never have fun again. And that's where I stayed stuck. Just through the blessing of an ad coming through my Facebook feed, was another option. And that was the option of loving your life and not drinking. I didn't know that was on the list. I I didn't know. And what I have found is that if you watch people drinking, this is a fabulous, fabulous thing to do. Watch people drinking. Maybe even just delay your own drink for two drinks. You don't even have to say, I'm not going to drink tonight. And what you're going to find is you're going to see everybody's energy level go up, and then you're going to see it coming down. And then you're going to see that you think that the drinking is creating this really fun party time and this deep connection with your girlfriends or your romantic partner. And what you, when you're watching people, you're like, whoa, they're not really even talking to each other. There's a lot of repeating going on here. And everybody's kind of vying for their story to come out. And it's fabulous. I had um met an old friend. I hadn't seen him in 30 years and I was meeting his new beautiful new girlfriend. They had a couple of drinks. I had an alcohol free drink. They didn't even notice I wasn't drinking. And then we went, I live in British Columbia. We went to a beautiful open market and I could just see them flagging and they needed coffee and they were dragging and the conversation really got boring. <laughs> and I, was, I was still like, whoop so good to see you around this is so fun and they were just done and their solution was oh we need to go have another drink they said that and I was like yep yeah, that's how that works and when with my clients what I see so much and on my podcast interviews you meet these people who say there was a, a gentleman I was on his show and he said the first time he quit drinking was on vacation and what he saw was the adults it was a family vacation. They did every year with two other families. The adults were having fun partying on the beach and the kids were playing. And the first year that he went alcohol free, he was in the water with his kid's playing. And the joy he found with that, that was his why from that point forward, he was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm missing my kid's life. Because like I said, it is You lose the ability to enjoy a sunrise if you're a regular drinking it. And I'm saying like one drink a night is what I'm calling regular drinking, or let's say five to seven drinks on the weekend. So that is my story. And once I learned that it was possible to have a fun life, in fact, it was wings for me. I've just been thriving. I had a girlfriend, hadn't seen, of course, because of COVID. And she looked at me and she said, what's different? I said, alcohol-free, baby. <laughs> That's what's different. Just the vibrancy. Um, I wake up in the morning. I didn't know I was a morning person. I wake up at five or six in the morning and I am excited about my day. I'm not dragging. I'm dancing in front of the coffee pot. I get the tunes on, having a good time. So my, my life is just so joyful now. That's an option for people. And we do this through, I went through a, this Naked Mind program. It's um, There's something called the Alcohol Experiment. So if people are interested in checking out, hey, do I want to test and see what is my relationship with alcohol? There's a free thing. It's called the Alcohol Experiment. It's an app. Um, look up this Naked Mind or just look up Alcohol Experiment. You'll find it and try it learn what there is to learn. It's not non-judgmental. It's non-shaming. We don't have day ones over and over again. We have data points. If you have a drink in the alcohol experiment, it's an experiment. You think, what did I learn? Did I enjoy myself more or less than the night before? How do I feel today? How was I feeling before I drank? Was was I waking up at three in the morning? All of these things, just a real exploration of where alcohol's fitting in your life and some exploration on where you want your life to be, and do those values align?
0: Very interesting. And, you know, it, it's what you said that uh, those misconceptions, you know, that you're not going to have fun or you're not fun anymore. And I'm like, I tell my family, what are you talking about? I'm almost 50 and I dance more than you guys. <laughs> you know, I'm still the same crazy old me, you know, it's just that I don't drink as I used to. We went to uh, one of my my husband's um, niece's wedding and... Uh, We had a, I had a few more drinks that, you know, than my kids have ever seen me drink. And they were like, oh, oh my God, you're so annoying. And I'm like, I'm being the same crazy (laughs) It's like, you're so annoying. (laughs) But it was fun. I'm I'm not going to lie. It was fun regardless, you know, whether I have a few drinks or not. um, I always have fun. But um,
1: because you're the fun. The alcohol is the fun. You're the fun. And there is a belief out there that happiness and joy and fun are something that people like you and I just happen to be born with and they weren't. And that's not true. It's a skill. You can learn how to have fun. You can learn how to be a happy person. Yale teaches it. There's a free course on Coursera. Yale teaches on happiness. It's fabulous. I recommend everyone take it because joy is a choice and you can choose. If you're, if you think you're not fun without alcohol, the solution isn't necessarily more alcohol, it's learn how. If you don't know how to be relaxed without alcohol, stress reduction is a choice and a skill. And that's what most of my work is. With my clients who want to be alcohol-free or choose to moderate, they've used alcohol-like duct tape. And they've slapped it on their life's problems, hoping to hold it all together. And a lot of our work is on learning to be compassionate to ourselves. Um, the The key to lasting change is positive emotion. It is not willpower. Willpower is finite. Like so, most people when they think, "How do you stop drinking?" Well, you just stop and gut it out. And I'm saying, no, you. You find out why you're drinking. You learn skills. You you're compassionate with yourself. You don't beat yourself up when you have a drink. And through that process, you recognize I just don't want it anymore. And I had a girlfriend ask me once. It was going to be a girls weekend. And these were typically very drunken with us, even it's our 60th birthday party. All four of us this year turned 60 and we're meeting in D.C. And I will be the only one not drinking. And the first year I came and didn't drink, one of my friends was like, so you you can never drink again. And I said, I can drink however much whenever I want. I don't ever want to drink again. I am too in love with my life and my joy. And I am not willing to spend that three hours of discomfort for that 20 minutes of the big burst. That's just my values and where I've chosen to go. So when you get to this point that you don't want to drink anymore, it's not hard. You don't have to go to meetings. You don't have to, you're not fighting it for the rest of your life. You can do everything you love, go everywhere you love. Some friends may fall by the wayside because you might find out they're kind of boring. That's okay. (laughs) I know you're like, oh, your only function in life was to support my drinking. Okay. I don't need that anymore. You can go by the wayside. But your deep friends, your closest friends, like I go to girls weekend, I have a blast. Now, they sleep longer than me. I get up and have a run do yoga (laughs) while they're
0: sleeping it off that's very interesting you know that and it's true what you're saying because i mean i have friends that are oh my god you're boring but they still love having me there because we're having so much fun i'm still crazy i make them laugh and and they're having fun and yeah they're, they're those are your your true friends the ones that that are supposed to stick out whether you know you drink with them or not i love that and And also, it's like I tell my children, just because you go to college and and everybody's drinking doesn't mean that you have to drink. That is a lie that you have to drink. And I'm not telling you because I'm your mom and, you know, like, um, you know, oh, my goodness, I never had a drink in my life or I'm never going to have a drink in my life. No, 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 no. That's that's a lie. Now, if you choose to drink, that's something else. But it's not because you're going to miss out on, you know, having fun or anything like that. And it's and it's what you're saying. Like I like now I really think more when I'm going to have a drink that oh, do I really want to wake up tomorrow? I have to do this and I'm going to be like my breath is going to be I'm, I'm going to be so thirsty. My stomach is going to be killing me. Well, you know, like I I do have choices and I think about it a lot more, but let's switch it up a little. Because All that, right. before I let you go, I want to learn this from you. What is your perception of beauty?
1: Oh, wow. That is so, that is a big question. And my perception of beauty in other people is so different than my perception of beauty in myself. And this is something I have struggled with. With the childhood trauma, I had an eating disorder. I was anorexic. And still have body image issues, and I look at other women and I see nothing but beauty, and I look at myself and I see nothing but flaws, and I'm really working on this because aging we never is goes away. On the body. I really think that it's just something I need to to spend more time on. And what's fascinating is when I was younger and. Perfectly fit. At 38, I was probably, I was a raft guide and a whitewater canoe instructor, and I was fit like you just can't believe. Solid muscle, so healthy. And I could look at myself and list the 20 things that are wrong with me. And I look at myself now at 60 and not that thin anymore and not that fit anymore. And I could still list 20 things. I'm like, why why am I wasting all this time? Because... I could fix the 20 things and I think and then I would find 20 more. So yeah, that is really a tough one for me. Really a tough one as I age out and um like I said in other people it is so easy to see I see nothing but beauty in everyone and I want to bring that compassion to myself.
0: Wow, you're beautiful by the way. Adam, I'll give
1: you 10 I, minutes I, to stop talking like that. I I usually
0: ask people this question and a lot of people go into the feelings and very little people go to the uh physical like uh, the outer you know beauty and uh, some people try to avoid you know talking about themselves so they go and 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 really beauty it's it's a feeling that comes from within that is the description in the dictionary it's a feeling and and feelings come from within right and when I ask people this question, if I I'm not really good at drawing, and you were telling me that that's one of your passions that you discover now and, and later in your life, if I can draw what people describe, it, it's it's when they describe themselves and their perception of themselves, it's it's like horror movie oh, yeah. poster. and and I'm looking at them and I'm like, my goodness, why can you see? How beautiful you are and yes there are people that that are more um you know like physically more beautiful than other people but sometimes those people like first of all are very rare because how many like really flawless people do you see out there like none
1: none and it's all what is that airbrushed and Photoshopped and yeah, the, the what you're seeing. Hey, I'm a that. photographer. I, 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 do the minimum that I can. <laughs> like sometimes we
0: have to um, remove things that are not supposed to be there because the camera just, it's two dimensional. Right. <laughs> we try right. to make it, you know, like certain things I, I try to um, remove as little as I can Because I want you to fall in love with the person
1: that you see in your photograph that is the true you. Right. So uh, in life, I was adopted. And three or four years ago, I met my biological sister, full biological sister, who grew up 45 minutes from me, which is really interesting. Wow. And we could be twins. And when I look at her, I just think she's so beautiful. And I want that for myself. I'm not saying that I walk around thinking you're a dog and, you know, I have really low self-confidence because I don't I'm not low self-esteem, but it's a part of me that I'm ready to shed. And I think it's showing up as I age, as the sun damage starts and gravity starts. And,
0: you know, I love that that you brought this up because um, some people. Uh, this is another misconception that I see a lot. Oh, when you're in your sixties, you don't give a anymore. You don't care. Like when we struggle with something, you know, like a lot of people struggle at any age. And I think this is something beautiful that as women, we need to start elevating each other. Young people. Looking up to all people, all people yes. looking up to the young generations, and just elevating everyone. Yes, you know, yeah.
1: we really, we really, really mentoring our our younger sisters is so critical.
0: So it's going to bring me to the next point, since you're struggling with. But what is one thing you stopped apologizing for that helped you? go to the next level in your
1: business i stopped apologizing for asking to be paid for my work and that was hard for me because it would be i would be probably ruthless in getting you a raise and thinking that your work is worth it and if i was paying you i'd probably think oh that wasn't enough money. Let me give her more. And yet, when it comes to me, I was I really once it was a skill because I didn't know how to ask. I didn't know how to make a sale. So I got a sales coach, and I learned how to ask someone to, to offer them. I listen to who you are and what you need. This is what I do in my work. we have a free phone call for about an hour and I hear their story and I listen and I ask questions. And at the end of it, I offer them some suggestions like, okay, here's a, I I would never leave someone without help. Right. So if they're not a fit for me and the work that I do, I would say, well, try this program or, you know, check out this coach over here. Do you want me to have them contact you? But if it's a fit, I've learned how to say, here's what I offer. Here's how I think it will help you. Would you like to work with me? And that really helps. Because if you don't ask, as my sales coach said, there's a difference between saying, I'm having a party on Friday night, which leaves it a little ambiguous as to whether or not I'm inviting you, versus I'm having a fr- party on Friday night, would you, Mai, like to come? Hi. So that is that that was huge for me. And I openly admit that it will probably never be my strength. And I'm so okay with that. If somebody's looking for the fancy sales pitch, they need to find another coach.
0: Yeah, your strength is in helping them how to become alcohol-free. I I know this is something that many people struggle with is asking for that sale. Yes. Asking for the sale and it's valuing. I, I know my mentor always says that it's valuing. What you do, your work matters. You're helping that person. It's an equal exchange.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: You know, you give, 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 but you have a problem receiving. And another thing for me was um, saying thank you for a compliment. Oh, When somebody will give me a compliment and, oh, my God, that video was awesome. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I could have done better. And I should have done this and that and that. They don't give what <laughs> the stroll that I went to. They just loved what I did. Why couldn't I right? just say thank you? Thank you. Um, I
1: I love it that you loved it. Awesome. Right. Thank you. Right. That's a skill. <laughs> All of these things are just simply skills that can be learned. So if you don't have them, I figure out how to learn them. Yeah. Because life is so much more fun when you can just accept. Uh, the gift of a compliment. And what's heartbreaking about it when people can't accept, it keeps people away from you because I, do you find joy in giving a compliment? Right. And if someone can't accept my compliment that brought me joy, some of my joy is lost. So I'm kind of stealing their joy.
0: Exactly. Lily,
1: where can people find
0: you and connect with you what is the best place?
1: So my website is coachingwithlily.com. Super easy. And I also have a podcast with a co-host called Sober Chick Life. So you can find me in any one of those places or drop me an email at lily at coachingwithlily.com. Thank you so much. And you have a beautiful day. You too. This has been really fun.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. If you found this episode helpful, kindly consider sharing it with your friends, family, and community. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share your thoughts with us on social media, on Instagram at MyLens, or on the Conversations with Mayi Facebook page. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Talk to you soon.